Today, you're joining us for the first part in a brand new series called Jonah, A Message from God. Now, thinking about it, isn't that really the reason that we come to church is that we want to hear a message from God? We want God to speak to us. We want to know, God, what are you saying to me in these days? What are you doing in this time? And it has uh, really fascinated me the last, uh, I don't know, several weeks uh, as I have looked through the scriptures, I've found how God in the scriptures has literally spoken a message to people who are in not only physical, literal, but also uh, spiritual storms. And today I want to look at a physical storm uh, that someone is in, namely Jonah. And you may relate with some things. You may find yourself in some of these storms. And it's amazing how that God can use the time of a storm to get our attention, to, to cause us to maybe listen up or to hear things we haven't heard before, to see things in a different perspective than we've ever seen them before. And I think that certainly the times that we live in now are times that uh, people are kind of looking around for answers. They're like, what is happening in my world? What is happening in our day? And so uh, I want to look at, at, at uh, Jonah, but I want to uh, first bring your attention to Matthew chapter 12 because Jesus himself mentions Jonah. Jesus um, says that an adulterous and perverse generation seeks after a sign. These people were looking for signs all of the time when, when Jesus ministered. And they said, Lord, give us a sign. What is a sign? And I don't know about you, but I've seen enough signs to know that Jesus' return is near. <laughs> I've seen enough signs in our day to know that, that things are, are, are hurling toward the return of our Lord. And so looking for a sign isn't necessarily what we're seeking, but Jesus said the sign that will be given in Matthew 12 and 40 for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He said, this is the sign that you're going to get. It is the person and the life of Jonah. And this was a, a, a pre-shadowing of, I guess, what you would call the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So if you look at Jonah uh, being tossed over the, the ship, we're going to talk about that today, and then he got swallowed up by a great fish, and then he got spit back out on the shore. It's the, it's the symbol of our baptism, of how that when we go down into the water, we die in Christ, and we uh, are, are there under the water like Jesus was in the tomb, and then on the third day he rose again and when we come out of the water then resurrection life we live unto Christ and so the death burial and resurrection of Jesus is foreshadowed in the story of Jonah now in the church I grew up in my, my childhood pastor would often re reference Jonah and here's how he said about Jonah because there's always been questions is this just a tall tale is just this some fable some fantastical story or did this actually happen now what he would say was this if the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed up by a great fish and it had wall-to-wall -wall carpet and a color television, if the Bible says it, I believe it. Now, I don't know if I go quite that far, but, but I will tell you that if the Bible says it, I believe it. And so this is not only a, a real account of what happened, but we have the validation from Jesus that he wouldn't have, have quoted some fairy tale. He was quoting and talking about and giving credence to the life and the ministry of Jonah. So we know that this was a historical account, that this was a true person, that this was a true story. 
just like I can't explain to you how that electricity works, but when I walk over there, I know enough about electricity to turn on that switch and the lights come on in the building. I don't know how that a man can live in the belly of a whale. In fact, some scholars say that he probably died in the belly of the whale and was raised back to life again. Resurrection happened and he got spit back out on the shore. That may be a more logical case if you, if you compare it to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But either way, Jesus validated the story of Jonah as being a true historical account. So let's look at it. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and we'll get into the text today. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarsus, and he paid the fare. Now, I want you to look at that part. He paid the fare. That really stood out to me as I was studying this. He paid for his trip. He paid the fare. This was only the first payment, the first installment, you could say, of Jonah's running from God. He paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Verse four, but the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every one of them cried out to his God and threw the cargo over that was in the ship and into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. He had laid down and he was fast asleep. Let's look at this text a minute. There, there are a few things that, that I really see in this text that I want us to look at. And, and the amazing thing about Jonah is that you can read all of Jonah in one sitting. You can do this. I encourage you to do it sometime this week. So when you come back the next couple of weeks, you kind of have a, a, a real uh, well-versed on the story. But it's only 40 verses. There are only 40 Bible verses that tell this entire story. Yet it's so power-packed in what God wanted to do and say the message that God wanted to bring to Jonah and then through Jonah to the Ninevites and from the story of Jonah to you and I in 2020. The first thing that I see here is the call, the call of God upon our lives. Think about the call of God upon Jonah and relate it to the call of God upon your life. Now, here was the call to Jonah. Go and preach, but not just any message, I want you to go and preach a message of judgment, of impending doom, of soon-to-be destruction. Jonah, you have the task to go and preach to Nineveh, fire, hell, and brimstone. Now, how many is signing up for that task? How many wants to do that? I mean, Jonah heard the message from God. He clearly heard the call, and he's like, God, what you want me to say and the message you want me to bring is not a message that I want to bring. So I wouldn't want to do this either. This was a city, Nineveh was a city of idol worshipers. They were a city that were uh, with many, many gods. Yeah, they believed in in, uh, deities, but not in the God that Jonah knew. And so the name Jonah, when when you look at it to define it, the name is Dove. That's his name. So Jonah was a peacemaker. Jonah was a kind of a middleman. He was the one that wanted to get along and he would go along to get along. Jonah was the kind of guy that was just mild and meek and peaceable. And isn't that just like God? Take the most mild, meek, peaceable person and say, you, I've called you to go and preach destruction and doom to the people that hate you, that hate your guts, that don't even want anything to do with you. And by the way, they don't want to hear your message. So what did Jonah do? Well, 
he looked at this call of God and he said, wait a minute, God, you don't have to give me a lot of specifics. And here's the, here's the thing I know about the call of God. You seldom will get many details or specifics to the call of God. I mean, normally God just says go. But Jonah could conclude enough to know this message is not going to be well received. This message is not going to go along well with the hearers, the recipients of the message. This may be where they come up with the phrase, don't kill the messenger. Because certainly, as the messenger of this message, he knew that he was going to be persecuted. He thought he was going to be killed. But here's why I think that God doesn't give us all the specifics. And God is calling each and every one of us. Now, your calling is going to be different than my calling because each and every one of us are called to God first and foremost. And then we have a function within his body to fulfill. We, a lot of times we'll call that our calling, but it's not. We'll say that, that our calling is to teach or to preach or to sing or to evangelize. But really, our calling is unto God. And here's why I think that the, the specifics are lacking when God gives a call. Because we are to walk by faith and not by what we can see. We don't walk by sight. It doesn't matter what we are seeing. What matters is what God is doing. So I believe that on the other side of God's call is an element of obedience and trust on our part. Are we truly going to, like the song says, trust and obey for there is no other way? Are we really going to trust and obey what God has said to do? Now here's the question I have for you this morning. What would you do for God if you knew that it was impossible for you to fail? If you knew that you had success secured, if it was impossible to fail, what would you do for God? And then ask yourself this, what if failure in your estimation looks different than God's estimation? What if success is not what we think success is? See, Jonah didn't wanna go because of fear, because he knew how he would be received. He knew all the tall tales and the stories about the people he was called to go and to minister to. And he concluded that this was a failed mission from the very beginning, that this was going to end in disaster and maybe even the loss of his own life. But perhaps it doesn't even matter if people like us. Perhaps it doesn't matter if our message is received or rejected. Perhaps it doesn't even matter if we witness life change on the part of someone whom we are called to. Maybe what really matters is that we trust and obey. Maybe just the simple act of trust is in itself success in God's eyes. See, when it comes to working for the Lord, when it comes to our life in Christ, here's what you and I have to realize. And this is hard for a pastor because we wanna see results. We wanna see people's life change. We wanna see people going from level to level, from place to place. But here's what we have to realize, and here's what I have to know as a pastor, is that in serving God, I am in sales, not production. You know know the difference? See, I used to be in the car business. And, and so when we would be in sales, we would tell about all the wonderful things that this automobile could do, all the reasons why you had to have the latest and the greatest, all the reasons why your 10-year-old car, though it runs fine, is not good anymore because it doesn't have the latest technology. We were in sales. We would always tell about the best story. But when that service garage door went up every single day, that was the headache place because the production was starting to show through and they had to deal with the problems. Now, here's the thing. You and I are going to deal with problems. We're going to deal with, with the 
problems of our own life. We're going to deal with the problems of those around us. But we, when it comes to serving God, are not in producing of the miracles. We are not in producing the success. We are in the sales, in the telling, in the telling forth, in the publishing forth of what God has said. It's thus saith the word of the Lord. That is the aspect of evangelism that is one of the core values of New Freedom Church. Evangelism means that we are giving people continuously who are far from God a pathway to get near to God. If there are people far from God, we want to offer them a path so that they can be drawn near to God. That is, in a nutshell, what evangelism is all about. And the call of Jonah was a big call on his life. God pursued him relentlessly, even sent a big fish to swallow him up. But don't think for a moment that the call on your life is any less. Don't look at Jonah and say, yeah, that's good for him. That's a Bible story. No, the call on your life is just as significant. And I know people whose, whose lives are, are um, what I would say, look like the, the, they've been torn up by a storm because the call of God has been relentlessly pursuing them for years and years and years and for time and time. And yet it looks like if you look at them, that their life has been spent in the belly of a fish that they've been swallowed up because they have run and they're still running from the call of God. Now, we have to make a choice. Are we going to trust and obey this call or are we going to run? And here's what Jonah did, is he started running. And while he was on the run, these certain things happened. Jonah just didn't go to a nearby town to lay low for a while until the storm passed or until God chose somebody else. See, that's what we do a lot of times is we, just, we hear the call of God and we say, yeah, I heard that, Lord, but you don't know I don't have the education. You don't know I don't have the intellect. I'm afraid to public speak in front of people. And so we go on the run. Oh, God, you don't know I don't have the friend network. I don't have the charisma. I don't have you fill in the blank. We get on the run with God because we want to tell God all the things we don't have. Here's what I found out. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called and puts them in a place of ministry and it will blow their minds and it will blow other people's minds that God ever even chose to use a vessel like that. God, why did you choose me? And so Jonah went on the run. He thought, God, you must have missed something here. You must have, have uh, uh, chosen the wrong person. I think you're still looking for someone else. And here's what Jonah did, is that he didn't just go to some town and hide out. He went to the furthest opposite direction that he possibly could go. Now, he was called to Nineveh, which was a city that was a uh, uh, pagan, idol-worshiping city. He was a gentle man. His name meant dove. And as I was looking at this city, Tarsus, to find out where is this located. It's, it's completely across the sea. It's on the other side of the land he was called to go to. And one of the definitions for Tarsus, this really fascinated me, one of the definitions for it was dove, just like the name of Jonah. Now, this was like the fourth or fifth definition, but here's, here's what Jonah chose to do. He chose to go to a place that was most suitable for him. In other words, he was not willing to get out of his comfort zone. He chose a place that looked like what he wanted to do. It looked like his MO, his mode of operandi. This place seemed to be a good place for him to go. And that's, isn't that what we do? We seek out environments that we are pretty sure are going to receive us. 
We don't want to go to a place or enter an environment that we think might be adversarial. We want to go to a place like us. But what if God is calling us to a place opposite of us? You see, in these four walls, it's very easy to be a Christian. All you have to do is be around some Christian people for a few weeks so you can learn the Christianese. You know what the Christian is? How are you doing today? Well, brother, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. How are you doing? Well, good. I'm, you know, God is chasing me down with blessings. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. We can learn the Christian ease in these four walls. This is comfortable. You can stand up for Jesus and be bold for Jesus in this place. But how many knows that when you leave these doors and you get out on the Miller Road, you're now in the mission field? And that's an uncomfortable zone. Why? Because it's adversarial to your faith. Jesus said it, that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. But what? Be of good cheer for Jesus has already overcome the world. And he has made us more than conquerors. And so here's what I t- want to tell you about running from God. When you are on the run, there will be seasons of rest. There will be times of success. When you are on the run, things will look as though they're turning out pretty good. You'll look over your shoulder one day on the run from God and you'll say, see, I never needed all that church stuff anyway. I didn't need to heed the call of God. My life is going pretty good. I didn't need to give my money to the church. I didn't need to give my time to the Lord. I didn't need to do any of that. Everything is pretty good. Look at verse five. It says, but Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship. He had laid down. He was fast asleep. How is a guy fast asleep in the midst of a storm? Because when you're on the run, there will be seasons of time that seem like things are going pretty good, that you have outrun the call of God. But hauntingly, eventually, there will be those nights when you pillow your head and you can't sleep for the what ifs of your call. What if I had heeded the call of God? What if I had spoken to that person that the Lord put in my path? What if I had pursued that dream of being a person of faith? What if I had pursued that life in the Lord? What if? What if I had pursued the call of God? Now, let me say this. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to obey the call of God. You don't have to take a vow of poverty or be a missionary to Africa to heed the call of God. For God needs his people in the government. Oh, yes, he does, drastically. God needs his people in the public space. God needs his people in business and in education and in law enforcement and in every aspect of our civil life. God needs his ambassadors everywhere. The call of God is not to stand on a stage like this and to speak to people through uh, the lens of a camera or through a live audience. That is not simply the call of God. The call of God is discharging the duties that God has placed before you. And this is not a list of do's and don'ts. Hear me now. This is not a a rule-keeping kind of a call. This is a call to be salt and light everywhere you are. Why? Because Jesus 
is on the inside of every believer. He's on the inside of us. And he wants his light to shine forth. Maybe you've been on the run from the call. And perhaps it's been out of fear. If you've been running from God, I want to offer you some good news today. And that is that you can come home today. You can come back to that place of calling with God today. And though you've put it off for a while and you say, well, I'm going to get to it eventually. Yeah, I, I hear you, preacher, but, but I'm going to do that just as soon as things align in my life. I'm just putting it off for a little while. Well, delayed obedience is disobedience. When I tell my kids, I need you to empty the dishwasher, I need you to mow the yard, and I, if, I, if I come home four hours later and the dishes are still in the dishwasher and the grass is still growing and it's never been cut, then yeah, they've been putting it off, but their delay has disobeyed the command or the request or the requirement. And you see, there's only a subtle speed difference. Hear me, there's only a subtle speed difference between running and drifting. Drifting is just kind of slow, it's subtle. Running, it's full on and you're headed after some other direction. And we can kind of feel a little reprieve in our hearts if we're only drifting, but can I really tell you that drifting is soon to turn to running. Eventually it turns into running. Uh, Aaron McManus said it like this, you can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God and their obedience. If the distance is short, they are mature. If the distance is long, it's immaturity. So what has God said? What has God called you to? Is there some area of disobedience in your walk with God because you know clearly God has told you something and yet you've put it off? Maybe because of fear. You see, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. It wasn't hard for Jonah to pay for the fare. He paid for the fare. Where? To Tarshish. But that was just his first installment on a long time of payback. You see, we are going to stand before God someday and we're going to give account. And it's not going to be, did you preach as good as the person across town, Joe? It's not going to be, did you write books and did you have pack out audiences? And God is not going to ask you if you sang better than somebody else, if you taught better than someone else. All that God is going to judge you against is what did he tell you to do? When the books are open, he's going to say, what did you do with my son? And what did you do with my call? Were you obedient to my voice? Did you go when I said to go? Did you humbly follow the voice of the master. You see, the Bible says that his sheep know his voice and another they will not follow. We know the voice of God when it speaks to us. We know because when we obey, there is a reward. But when we disobey, there is that feeling of foreboding that something is yet incomplete in our lives. Now, how many of you know Clearly, God has spoken to you. Think, think for a moment. You clearly know God has spoken something to you. And you seemingly have legitimate reasons why not to do what God has said to do. For Jonah, it was this, okay, Nineveh. Nineveh is a city of fierce fighters. They're idol worshipers. 
They have terrorist tactics in their warfare, and they torture their captives. Now, here's what he knew about Nineveh. God, you're sending me to a place that tortures the very people that they hold captive. They're terrorists. They're idol worshipers. He had legitimate reasons why not to go to the place where God called him to. And you may feel like you have some legitimate reasons why not to follow the call of God. And that's why I say there's a little bit of Jonah in me and a little bit of Jonah in you. Because we get on the run, we go far from the call of God with what we think are legitimate reasons. We logically can can rationalize and work it all out in our minds, can't we? We can figure out why to say no. When really what God is calling is to obedience. Now, Jonah may have concluded at this point that his private rebellion, his running away from the call was only hurting him. He may have concluded that, hey, you know, I'm the one that has to take it on my shoulders. I have to bear the the responsibility of going to Tarsus when God told me to go to Nineveh. This is on me. So Jonah may have thought, I'm going to man up. I'm going to pay for this myself. This is on me. But don't fool yourself. If your disobedience to the call of God has not yet affected other people, eventually it will. We see in in the narrative that the Lord sent a strong wind and the sea started to rise up and get violent. And so the men started to throw things over and they finally run run down and they found Jonah and they're like, hey, how can you be sleeping through this? We're praying to our gods and our idols to deliver us. You need to start praying to your God and see if he might somehow break through for us on this too. And Jonah finally manned up. He realized, oh, I get it. Now my rebellion, my private rebellion has become public because this entire ship is in danger of sinking because I am on the run. And I love what Jonah does here. We'll get to this next week. But Jonah raises his hand and he says, you know what, guys? I know how we can solve this. Now, when you're, when you're being tossed in a sea and the, the waves are coming over the, the bow of the ship and you're throwing every piece of cargo you can over to lighten the load and a guy says, I know how to solve this, you're listening now. Okay, how do we solve this? He said, you just need to get rid of me. You mean like throw you over? He's like, yeah, just go ahead and throw me over. I mean, he didn't dive over. See, he knew what to do, but still he was needing to be pushed. And that's where some of us are. We know exactly what God wants us to do. We just don't want to make the plunge. We don't want to take the dive. And so we say, yeah, if you throw me over, I'll go. Why? Just jump. Jonah, just get out of the boat. He said, you know what? If you throw me over, everything's going to be fine. Do you think that those guys had to ponder very long on that option? They're like, hey, few of it, let's get him. And they threw him over and the sea calmed. He got thrown over. He manned up and said, I'm the one that's causing this whole problem. His private rebellion didn't just affect him, but eventually it started to impact people around him. And you not responding to the call of God on your life will eventually affect people around you. Maybe it's in having a, a bad mood or grumbling or complaining and, and people can't ever find out. You, you, you bought that next toy. You got that great vacation. You live in the wonderful neighborhood. You've got the job you wanted. Why aren't you happy? Why are you still grumbling? Why are you still complaining? Well, it was time to man up and say, because none of that stuff ever matters if I don't follow the call of God on my life. See, there's a God-shaped hole on the inside of every one of us, and we can fill it with all kinds of other things, but until we put the, 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 the master in his place, we will never find peace. And that sea was never going to calm until Jonah 
got off of that ship and they threw him over. And this is the part that I think is the hardest of the entire story is the relent. We've got the call, we've got the run, and now this is the relent. This is where he faced the music. You ever had to face the music, boy? There's been some times in life I've had to face the music. When I was uh, about 11 years old, a friend of mine, uh, we, we would run the streets of Wilmington together, and we didn't have a lot of parental supervision. There was a little Kmart at the edge of our neighborhood, and we would go in there, and every now and then we'd steal a piece of bubble gum, and that was kind of a thrill to do that. But that bubble gum turned into a bubble gum and a candy bar until finally it was bubble gum, candy bar, and baseball cards. That's what we would steal almost every single day at Kmart. And I remember one day I got so bold that I put, you ever remember those box baseball cards? They were in boxes, they were hard box. I put a box of baseball cards in each one of my shoes and I'm walking out of Kmart like this, like real inconspicuous, you know? And as soon as I get out of the door, the security officer in plain clothes says, uh, young man, you need to come with me. And they did the perp walk all the way back to the office at Kmart. They called the police. They had the cruiser sitting outside waiting to take us to the station, me and my friend. I had the money in my pocket to buy the items that I stole. I even tried then to, to, to own up a man. Okay, I'll buy them. They're like, no, 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 too late. You can't buy them now. We went to the police station. We had to call our parents. I had to face the music. 60 days later, I'm standing before a judge. Now, they made a big scene out of this. I'm standing before the judge, and I had to pay court cost. I think I'm still on probation. I don't think I can go to Kroger, uh, Kmart, rather. I don't think I can go to Kmart the rest of my life. See, your, your pastor can't even go to Kmart. Hey, they shouldn't treat me like that. Look, they're all closing down now. They're, they're all going out of business now. But I had to face the music of that. I remember my mom made me, as my punishment, she made me write 500 times. Now, I don't have good penmanship. She made me write, thou shalt not steal, 500 times. Plus, I got a paddling. I don't know if they still do that, but I got a, I got a whooping for that. I had to face the music. And the relent that Jonah had to go through, the relent was not simply giving up, the relent between you and God is not throwing in the towel that you're done, but the relent is giving in to the call upon your life. But before the relent, here's what we typically do. Before the relent, we negotiate. God, I'm gonna throw over some cargo. Well, what's this negotiation look like? Um, I'm gonna delete that app that I've been looking at that I know I shouldn't look at. I'm gonna get rid of that. I'm gonna not hang with those friends. I'm not gonna go to the club. I'm gonna stop drinking. We, ne we negotiate with God. I'll quit these things. I'll throw over some cargo if you'll just let me off the hook. Or a negotiation does like Jonah is that he was going to swim back to shore. He was going to row a little boat back to shore. He had it all worked out in his mind. I'm just gonna work harder. So we negotiate with God. Uh, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll start going to church again. I'll even give, give an, uh, an offering to the church every time I go. God, if you get me out of this one, I promise that I'll not gossip anymore. And we negotiate with God. But to relent is to give in to the call of God. It's to end all of our logical negotiations of trying to circumvent God's process. 
You see, his worst fear was realized. Here was Jonah in a rough storm with no boat, with no friends, with no life preserver, with nothing. Now here's where you and I come in. We need to stop being amateur provinces in other people's lives. We need to stop trying to always get them out of the problem to negotiate throwing more cargo out of their life when what they really need is shipwreck so that God can now send the answer and get their attention and put them on the right path because the Bible says that God provided, listen, God provided a large fish. In the midst of this raging sea, in the waters as he's going down, it says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Not only did Jonah survive, but Jonah thrived when his worst fears had come upon him when he finally relented and gave in to the call of God, when nobody was there to bail him out and God was all he had. Listen, when God is all you have, you'll learn that God is all you need. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. God's provision may not always look the way that you expect it, but you need to trust God and just watch and just see as he comes through. As I get ready to close, I want you to just think about it for a minute, the call on your life. I want you to close your eyes and just think about what is it that God is calling you to today? I'm not asking you to think about the next five years. I'm not asking you to think about what's gonna happen Tomorrow, I'm asking you to think about today. What is God calling you to today? Is he calling you to a decision point? Is he calling you to a place of obedience? Is he asking of you for some trust? Is there something that God is working on your heart? A next step. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, but today is good news that you can come back home. You've been running for a long time. And today is that day where you're gonna say, yes, I make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. Maybe you did that at one time, but you've been drifting. You've just been kind of off drifting for a while. And it's, it's now clear to you that you need to come back to a place of revival in your own heart with Jesus. Maybe today you're walking in that place of obedience and it's really tough because you're not seeing results. You know you're trusting God. You know that you're walking by faith, but you're not seeing things happen. I wanna encourage you, God's provision may not always look like what you thought it would. Stay the course. Keep the steady hand. Stay the road. God is doing something in your life. So whatever it is that you need today, I, I just wanna pray with you. We're gonna close in a song, but I wanna pray with you this. If you, if you need to say yes to Jesus, this is how you do it. Dear Jesus, it's me sinner in need of a savior I repent today of my sin and I accept the gift of the cross I accept your provision at Calvary 
If it's that you're drifting and you want to come back home, you just say, bring me nearer again to the place that I once knew. Bring me to the joy of my salvation. Bring me to that place home with you. Maybe you just need a little bit of joy for the journey because it's been tough. I pray today, God, that you would give every person who is obeying and heeding the call of God on their life today, even through the difficulty, I pray you give them sustenance. I pray you give them stamina that they would make it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.